1: Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from you.com If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at ILikeHugh.com. Now, let's get started. Hello, everybody. Well, it is a very, very interesting day for our neighbors south of the border, It is election day, November 3rd, and it's been kind of crazy. My dad has been recouping here with us, and his favorite channel is the CNN channel. So for the last week and a half, I think I've known everything there is about politics, but probably not. But one thing I did say, and I think what really kind of twigged me into the whole kind of how everybody is feeling down there, is that when... um, sports legends, Bobby Orr and Jack Nicholas announced their staunch support for Trump. My dear dad of 87 years old said, wow, he said, Bobby Orr was my hero. But he said, I guess I'm gonna have to look elsewhere now. So having said that, we are gonna have some people from the US chiming in here with us Winnipegers. So let's open the doors and invite everybody. So we're gonna have, I guess, Some people from Florida. We've got people from England. We have someone from Delaware standing by. Hello, everybody. Hey. Hi, Cynthia. Hi. Hi, Hi, Charlotte. Hi, Kirsten. Hi, Robin. I'm Amy from Delaware. Oh, Amy from Delaware. Here you are, yes. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) What can we say? All right. I'm actually at the polls. Oh, my goodness. All right, so needless to say, we know who you're gonna support. Amy, can you tell us, though, a little bit about what is going on in Delaware, in your hometown, you know, the conversations? The conversations
2: are very divided. And the thing I think that I find that's most disheartening is the nastiness that's coming out. I've been called more names today in two hours than I think I've ever been called in my whole life. Seriously. And I, I think that what people aren't realizing is how important the education pieces for our kids, especially now with COVID and being prior military myself, the support for our military and opening our borders and having a good relationship with Canada. And all of those things are conversations that are happening within my peer group.
1: Oh my goodness. And then let's talk about COVID, the pandemic. I mean, U.S. set set records yesterday with amount of new cases and the deaths and, you know, the whole card that's being played and and whatnot. How has it been for you and your family living in all this? (laughs) Terrible, (laughs) terrible. It's been, it's so difficult. Your life
2: changes totally. You don't go out to restaurants anymore. You don't go to the movies and you're together so much of the time. And I don't know that anyone has taught people how to be together all the time. Mm -hmm. You're working at home. We're teaching our children at home. You know, uh, husbands and wives may be at opposite ends of the house and the kids are in the middle trying to get an education. I personally tutor twice a week and um, I'm tutoring two little six-year-old boys and it's very difficult for them to have had a half a year of kindergarten last year and now their first grade year is set up so that they're all online. Excuse me, just one second. Yeah, ma'am, you know, if you take your sticker up front, you can go to the front of the line and I'll watch your car for you because you're handicapped? You're very welcome. Sorry about that. Gotta keep my handicapped brothers and sisters being able to vote.
1: Oh my goodness. Like, Amy, through all of this, I mean, nobody could have predicted what this year was going to be like. Would that, if it was, everything was normal, nothing would have changed on how you're voting today or has there been changes and questions too, in your own mind? The sanity of it all has been a big question.
2: Um, watching, actually, watching lies coming through on um, candidates' uh, um, advertisements. And you look at it and you know you watched the debate and you know that person didn't say that, but they're saying it anyway. And it's like amazing to me that women our bodies, our rights, our, our our gay marriages here are all threatened if the particular candidate that I'm not for happens to not get in office. Or happens What's to get in office, excuse me.
1: Yeah. I'm scared. Do you, you Yeah, I mean, I, and you know what, just to let you know that I think all of us here feel, feel your, your fear, um, even though- It's real, it's it very is. real. As a, as a
2: gay disabled person with a pre-existing condition, I'm in serious trouble if my if our opponent gets in office.
1: Would you move to Canada? I'd move in with Robin.
2: <laughs> oh, honey! Move in with Robin and Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> we could be the Three Stooges. <laughs> oh my goodness! I don't know. They won't let us across the border. But, you know, I've been to Canada and I love it there. For me, I'm blessed that I live out in the woods. But I know that people are stocking up on groceries and waiting for things to happen over the next two weeks. And have you done that, too? Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. I bought four four cases of water yesterday.
3: Do you Uh, have enough toilet paper, Amy?
2: Of course I do. And I know if I need any, all I have to do is call Charlotte and say, hey. Can Robin Freeze Live send me some toilet paper?
1: Oh, oh my goodness. Well, I mean, too, we've talked a lot on this group. And you know what? I would love to have you, Amy, join in after the election, too, because, I mean, it's so oh, super. Important. Yeah, because, I mean, we talk about empathy. We talk about understanding. Um, one of our guests here, Cynthia, is acceptance without understanding. I mean, all of these things, underlying things are so true, but what is it about the US and I, or, and it happens in Canada, but what is it about people, Amy, that it's so hard for them to see beyond the politics, to see beyond the color of our skin, to see beyond if we're not, you know, fully able-bodied? It's, could you please ask me your question again? I was, just, I, was, I was just curious in your opinion on why people just can't see beyond what they see in front of their face. They can't, they're not able or they're not willing to listen what comes Americans from Americans are,
2: t- are totally, um, a lot of Americans are totally ethnocentric. It's about their neighborhood, their house, their area, where they are. Not ext- I mean, I've extended myself to give Trump, handicapped Trump supporters a ride up to the building because it's a far walk to go. And I don't think that that's the norm these days. I mean, look, look what's happening with our Boy Scouts. Look what's happening with you know, the, the women's movement here. It's, in, it's crazy. I have been called names I've never been called in my life today because I'm holding a Biden sign. And to me, that is sad because I'm a, I'm a baby boomer and I want peace, I want love, I want joy and I want our kids to see that. These little kids that are coming up now that can't go to school don't have any peace. No. No. There's no peace, there's no playing outside. They're all glued to their devices. And I think that I would like to see us come together again like we did in the 60s. And I'm hoping that that part of history will repeat itself. Yeah, well, I guess,
1: do you think we're gonna have a decision
2: tonight? No absolutely not. Uh, three states will have decisions tonight. I know Michigan will, Arizona will and Pennsylvania will have their decisions tonight. Well, and those are those are big uh, states. Those are real big states and if we win if Biden wins those three states then he's pretty much a shoe in for the presidency. However, if he doesn't win one of those states then it could go on for a few weeks. And that just creates
0: more, right? I can't imagine living in the states, right? Okay, but we have to remember that that's not unusual, and that it is not it is not a given that the winner will be declared tonight. That's why the electoral college vote is so far away from election day. That's why inauguration day is you know months away. This mm-hmm. was built for a system where people had to bring in votes by horse and buggies and things. This is not abnormal. But like Amy said, if certain states are called and they can make an educated you know estimate or guess, like they did last time, then. It, the winner will be declared as soon as possible but like we saw even in 2016 or even if you want to go back to 2000 sometimes it's not as easy as declaring that night and we shouldn't get hung up on knowing tonight what we should get hung up on is that democracy is working in action and that means every vote is counted every person's uh vote gets to be tabulated and that that is democracy in action thank you amy for all you're doing today oh thank you thank you it's I've been doing it since I was 16.
2: Every presidential election, I've been a poll worker. And I think it's, it's vital that we stand up and fight for what we believe in. Because if I don't fight and back up what I believe in, what kind of teacher am I?
0: Yeah, and that, and that goes for no matter who you're voting for. Voting is, is democracy and having everyone's vote count. So any poll worker, any election worker, doesn't matter what country you're working in, you're the unsung heroes of this democratic process because you are there at the front lines and making sure everybody has what they need to be counted and that that vote goes through and is tabulated. So thank you for that, Amy. Let, and for let, all me, your colleagues. let me show
2: you something. I don't know if I can do it on here. Can I flip my camera on here? Do You see that gentleman standing right there? Yeah. Where the flag is? Do you yeah. see how his flag is whipping in the wind? It is so cold here today. Wow! That and um, t- we have eighteen people out here right now, I believe.
1: Wow!
2: So it's pretty cool. It is. It's pretty it's cool. Nice. So there's we have our Biden Harris signs up, and we're passing out water and candy and. Granola bars. the the wait the line at the high school goes almost wraps around the high school right now. The wait's about an hour and twenty minutes, and people are standing in line. I'm I'm impressed. Yeah. At well, eleven o'clock, uh, wow. polls open here at seven. At eleven o'clock, we had had eight hundred some people through already. Wow. And see. the line, the, the parking lot's still full. I'm going to go home after this and take a break, and then come back from five to nine.
1: And how late do the polls stay open there? To 8 p.m. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, uh, you know, it's people like you, Amy, that really, I think, speak to the true heart of America. And, uh, you know, we, we wish everything and the best for you, too. But, you know, the whole thing is stay safe and healthy. Absolutely. Um, I yeah. love my country. I really do. I fought for
2: this country, and I'm going to keep on doing what I do because, maybe some child will see that. And one kid is all it takes to make a difference. Oh,
1: I know. Well, and yeah, when you think about the children too, growing up and in in what's going to be ahead for them, you know, hopefully a, a better America, a better country too. Mm-hmm. All right, I know that you have to go, but uh, you know, be brave like you are. Yes. Thank I, you, thank you. Yes, Kiss, yes. Kisses to my North America. Well, we'll always be here. We're not going anywhere either, so. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, Robbie.
2: Tell Charlotte I said hey. Talk to y'all later. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye, Bye, Amy. Bye. Bye.
4: Hey, Adam.
2: (laughs) Did I get out of it? (laughs) I don't know. I'm not electronically. Oh, Oh, I'm still live.
1: Sorry. That's okay. You can just there we go. It. Oh my goodness. Wow. A little slice of, we're seeing the inside of Amy's car. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing day there. And wow, Amy is, her story is, is very, very powerful. So, Charlotte, is your brother joining us? He said he's giving us a. He needs a
4: minute. <laughs> Are right. you there, Adam?
1: He's had a busy morning. Yeah, I know. So we'll continue this conversation. I'll bring in um, Cynthia because Cynthia, first of all, from all of us here, happy birthday! Thank you. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> what a way to spend your birthday!
5: You know what it's. It, It's great, because I'm not listening to the news, so that makes it a really positive birthday. Um, And yeah, you know what? It's like people go, what are you doing? What's exciting? I go grocery shopping and I went and I did some mail. (laughs) So yeah, so it's just, I'm kind of coming to the mindset that just life is an adventure and living every day is the adventure. So. Um, doesn't mean they're all exciting and that you're traveling. It's just every day is an adventure and it's kind of finding out that exciting little part of your day that comes up. So, yeah.
1: All right. So, I- what would be your biggest birthday present for?
5: <laughs> wow. Uh, well, I mean, um, I have certainly, with Amy, um, asked the universe for the gift of a birthday wish um, that is fulfilled to make Amy happy Um, that would make me happy and would I think um, make a lot of people around this planet happy. Um, I've certainly asked on behalf of the entire planet my birthday wish that coronavirus please go away. Um, But until such time as we need to continue the safety protocols and social distancing, washing our hands and wearing a mask in order to ensure that we stay safe. But uh, yeah, other than that, for me the day is really what's ahead of me um, in that it's what, 5.30 p.m. here and um, I have candles and some bubbly and bubble bath and I'm just gonna have some me time tonight um, after dinner, so.
1: Oh well, no, we always send you birthday wishes and kisses. Oh my goodness. Uh, Thank you. Yes. Oh, well. Uh, Charlotte? Oh, and, and oh, there's Kirsten back. So, oh, okay, so Susie, um, I wanted to ask you this because you always come up with such profound answers for this, but uh, anyways, I really wanted uh, my girlfriend who lives in the States uh, just outside of San Francisco to join us. And unfortunately she couldn't you know, do with work or whatever. But so I said, okay, so we're going to be so- talking about the election because it's just so crazy. And uh, so I, and I said, so who are you voting for? And she said, Trump. And, you know, I didn't say too much. There is a big pause. And she says, no, no. She says, okay. Um, you know, there's, There's more of a background. So she did send me a very, very good article we have after our conversation. And the article was definitely more towards Republicans, but they did say that this election is love against hate. And they talked about the whole, I guess, kind of what the Republican Party stands for and then what the Democratic Party stands for. And it did, you know, kind of make me kind of think that there she said that one oh, of the good part of the article was it's not about the candidates, it's about us. So do you think with that kind of mindset, that is the reason why they have over a hundred million pre-votes already done, which is gonna take the long count for. And the reason, like now hearing what Amy is going through and this long line of people. Lined up for days, probably to vote. Is that something like here in Canada? We just uh, are. We just don't have that political fever. I don't think, I, unless you're actually in politics. I find Canadian politics uh, very gray, um, and then, and I guess in this article it presented the Americans very red and blue. So my question to you, Susie, because you get a lot of social media and I've seen, you know, what you've tweeted and stuff like that. Um, does it boil down to love against hate?
0: Oh, well, that's a loaded question, isn't it? That's a lot to process there.
1: Yeah, I know, of because I've been sitting on it all week.
0: Going, yeah, no. know. Um... I just did a, I just, sorry, my computer's just kind of at a weird angle right now. Um, I did a guest lecture last night in a political studies uh, class with um, local uh, professor here, Shannon Sampert, who is a political studies expert and um, very much uh, uh, in the spotlight when it comes to sort of talking points about media and elections and things like that. And we were talking about social media and we were talking about the effect that it has on, you know, whether uh, you're paying attention to the election and even just to what you buy in terms of how it affects your life. It was an hour long uh, discussion and it went flew by. And um, I think that uh, one of the things, so in 2016, I, I had organized a nasty women party. I'm not sure if anybody remembers that, but, uh, it, uh, it made the news and it was quite a, quite a to-do and it was a ton of women that got together to celebrate what we were hoping was going to be the first woman president of the United States. And you could tell that people were excited. You could tell that, um, especially for, you know, young girls, they were looking, you know, at this example and thinking, cool, like I can do this. This will be, this will be something I can aspire to. Right. And... In my in my role in that, and my silence this time around, is that I have zero confidence in what the outcome of this election will be. So I think it's great that so many people have voted. That is number one. I think that's fantastic. So people who perhaps didn't think that their vote counted and sat out the last election, which was a big chunk of people, I think, or who voted for a third party candidate, thinking that it didn't matter, or it was a throwaway vote, or it was a protest vote, really got a message with the last election. So what we're seeing here with this one, I think, is much more, like you said, polarization. And, you know, even, even if you look at groups uh, of communities of people of color and all, all those, they are not a monolith. Okay, there are, there are always factions of people who, who gravitate towards one uh, political stripe versus another. Um, one thing that I do take away from this election cycle is that, <coughs> pardon me, we have had um, notice from the FBI, from domestic um, federal uh, agencies in the U.S., <coughs> <coughs> excuse me, about the threat of domestic terrorism. In the U.S., we've had two governors who have had plots, <coughs> pardon me, waged against them and their families and have you know, put law enforcement on notice on what these groups are capable of. Now, that is not gonna go back into the Pandora's box. That has been unleashed. That is something that won't necessarily go away or change regardless of the election outcome. That is a longer reckoning that needs to take place. Um, as far as your friend voting for Trump, I think that there are some diehard people. And you see here in Canada, it's hard for us to understand a two-party system versus a three-party system or independent candidates or anything like that. I believe in the States that if you're born blue, you die blue and same with red. Very, very few crossover. And so you're right in that respect. It doesn't matter about the candidates. It matters about that political strike, right? But what we have to look at with, more critical, uh, with a more critical eye and more critical questioning is what do the party values stand for now? And I think a lot of political parties, not just in the States, but around the world are reckoning with what their values actually mean. And when you say, you know, Canada's politics are boring or this and that, I'm sure if you ask the lobster fishermen in Nova Scotia, they would say that's not the case at all. They're fighting for their treaty rights to fish and to um, have access to those waters, to those lands that they have not ceded. And we are still having these conversations, these clashes. So it's not that it's boring, per se. It's just a matter of how much it affects you in your day-to-day life. Now, perhaps, you know, regardless of where you live in the states, perhaps your federal agencies don't matter a lot. And like she, like, uh, I believe it was Amy who was here before said, it's all about, it's very hyper-local. What happens in their school system? What happens in their neighborhood? What's happen- What happens in their county? Maybe not even in their state, but their county. So it's, it, there's a lot of factors that play into how that person decides to vote. And of course, where they get their information from, where they get their news from, all of those things will have a factor. All I can say is that I hope there will be no violence and I hope that people will be safe. Yes.
1: <laughs> I know, but will they be, I mean, we up well, yeah, the businesses have been boarding their stores up. I mean, Trump has built his wall <laughs> around the white house. So, I mean, I, there is no hiding that they're preparing for something, but, uh, yes so interesting times charlotte how's your mom doing
4: my mom's she's down in florida and uh she said that she's just going to kind of hang out in her uh, the place where she lives so she's in a gated community and um so she just thought she'd just hang out there till after the election you know not go anywhere which i'm 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 glad about and uh my brother had to, to pop off. He he may come back on. He he's but he was managing taking his kids to be COVID tested. He's down in Florida, and then he also um, he's a trader. So he he just sent me a text. Saying, I have to make a trade. I have to go. So uh, um, okay. life at living, um, you know, down in Florida. So uh, hopefully he'll come back. This is his second election um, voting. Um, he became an American a couple of years ago, even though. He, my brother's lived in the States since he was about five years old. Um, so uh, he's more American than Canadian. So it would have been nice if he could have joined in. Um, actually, I'm the only one in my family who's not American. <laughs> so,
1: But you know, now that you have a brother there and a mom that goes there frequently, it's getting back to your mom. What kind of conversations or does she have to tread lightly? With her friends because I mean that's gonna be or are they all snowbirds like herself Canadian
4: no no um my mom lived 30 years in Memphis and um so she's got lots of friends down in the south still um you know as do I um the majority well it's a mix of Trump and Biden supporters and yes she there's some subjects that she just doesn't uh, go there she she made a couple of mistakes assuming that they were not Trump supporters and then had to backpedal out as quickly as she got in there. Um, and it's just, you know, I, I've said before, one of the, the Hugh Cruz that, you know, just putting, I mean, they're still friends of ours. You know, I have um, quite a few Trump supporters who are, are good family friends. Um, what's interesting and is when the mom and dad are, Trump supporters and their children who are my age are Biden supporters. And I keep saying like, like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, thank God for COVID because we don't have to go to Sunday dinners. Cause it's just like, Oh my goodness. Um, so different.
1: And yeah, well, you know, it, it again, like going back to that article and how they were talking to that it is, you know, generation after generation. And it's, it's that thinking, right. And it's, and what I just find so interesting is that, you know, when somebody, when one of the family members does decide to branch off and go opposite, that it does create such tension that families break up, marriages could break up, whatever, just over, you know, their political beliefs. So it will be interesting. And I kind of, I hope or whatever that like Amy said that, you know, it become, can become a great country again, but right now it certainly seems so divided. Um, and then, yeah, we can chime in too now, Robin, just on the whole mental health issue. I mean, yeah, it's... but okay. us get the politics now. <laughs> yeah, actually, can I talk a little bit about politics? You sure
3: can. Just, just purely so because this is the fourth country I've lived in, right? So I've seen different political systems and I've watched like I watched the New Zealand election where like previously the last election they had before this recent one because they have minority parties as well as the two big ones the minority parties hold the balance right and they can move and shape and it doesn't become as polarized and Last time, the minority party that went with the Labor government in New Zealand was expected to go with the National Party, was expected to go with the right, and didn't. And everyone was like, whoa, what happened here? And then this election, like, Jacinda won by, like, a landslide. And and having grown up in Australia, watching two larger parties with those smaller parties... Like when I look at the US system and it's this or this, and there's not really anything else. I mean, there's a couple of independents, but there's no, it doesn't feel like there's anything to hold either of those parties back from just their view. And so I was talking to my mum like previous to 2016, and I, And my mum is, uh, you know, she'd be in Australia considered right of the centre, and I am clearly not the only one in my family that's not. But my mum looked at the US election and went, the right in the US is like way right. This is even before Trump. And the Democrats actually are a middle of the road. They're not left compared to some of the other countries left. And and she actually said, oh, I'd, I'd vote for the Democrats, where I almost fell off my chair, given her history. But, but it it's interesting. I was living in the US for eight years. I was in the US with the last election. And I cried because I knew it was screwed for me as, you know, like... Uh, like being transgender, even though I hadn't like come out like that then, like I was screwed. I was screwed because I had a mental health diagnosis. Um, I was screwed because I was like an alien is what they call you if you're from somewhere else in the US. Like, and so it's, I watch it now and watch the division has grown bigger and many of my friends are actually scared for their lives at the moment. And that just, it horrifies me. So if I think about mental health, like the mental health of the U S is like, it just feels like it's crumbling. Um, and I remember when I first moved to the US, I had this discussion with this guy in Alaska who was like, everyone loves the U S and I'm like, Mm, No. Yes, everyone does. And I went, do you have a passport? Yes. Have you ever used it besides Canada and Mexico and the Caribbean? No. And I said, well, when you've gone outside and you've talked to other people, super happy to have this conversation. And I met so many people that had never gone more than a hundred miles from where they grew up. And so they'd grown up in this, this is America, everyone loves us. Nobody thinks we're a laughing stock. And even now, some conversations I'm like, have you actually taken a look at some of the other news? No, everyone loves us. I'm like, and, and so it's that piece that, like I'm scared that either way, the US is screwed right now. Like civil war, if like Biden gets in, because we've already had the stuff that Susie talked about, right? Um, And if Trump gets in, I'm I'm scared that he's going to get rid of democracy and just go, yep, I'm in, I'm staying now. And uh, a lot of my friends are super, super scared of that too. So their mental health is crumbling and spending lots of time talking to people trying to think about what are the little things they can do but when you go meditate or yoga or journal they're like that's not going to help right so it it's a tough one i think all all i can do from my perspective is be there for people validate their feelings whichever side cuz you know i know some people that are staunch Trump supporters, and it is tough for me sometimes, but I just say, tell me about why you feel that way. Um, so, yeah, but for my mental health, <laughs> I've become Canadian. My first set of skates.
1: What? Oh my God. And do you have a hockey stick?
3: No, I can't even stand up in these, let alone. <laughs> but I want to learn because... I want to be able to smack people into the
1: boards. It's a bit like rugby on ice. <laughs> oh, and they need a helmet, okay? You need a helmet. You do not... Yeah, stop. that's for
3: this is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Oh, but getting back to the whole mental health issue, oh, my goodness. Uh, I think there's going to be a, a real a real outcry. Well, we already see it in, and not only the election, but COVID. Like, my God, it, it's just mm-hmm. rampant
3: we um we got i was doing a peer support for peer supporters yesterday and they asked me if we could do a specific extra one tomorrow morning we've got one tomorrow night but they asked if we could do one tomorrow morning in the aftermath of the election even if they didn't know people wanted to be able to have those free peer support for peer supporters calls to be able to just vent and have a conversation so like We're going to throw that out there because we have a lot of people from the U.S. that join in different times, but it doesn't
1: just impact the U.S. It actually impacts the world. Oh, totally, because the world is watching regardless. I mean, they've been caught up in all of this, the drama, I don't know, the spin doctoring, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, it it does. It does really affect you. And, and I, I did not know, I mean, the fear that some of these people – are living with. I mean, Amy confessed and now, and you too, it's, it's a real thing.
3: Like I have friends in the U S who are scared for their lives. If like certain things happen after this election, scared actually either way, because it, as I think Susie was saying, Pandora's box has been opened. It's not going to go away. You know, like, it, it's just not. And that's the... People are yelling at each other. People are being shot over voting for different people. And you're like, where where does humanity go when we're shooting each other because we have different opinions about politics, for Christ's sake? Oh, I said that Christ word. I'd be in trouble in the US.
1: <laughs> oh. Oh, so Kirsten, are you doing listening to all of this?
6: Oh, you know it's it's uh, well, it's the conversation everywhere, um, and it has been for some time. First, I'd say happy birthday, Cynthia, and I hope you have a amazing day. Um, yeah, you know my parents have a home in uh, Palm Springs, and they and they have for over twenty years, and they have some really close. Uh, U.S. friends, and they spend half their time in Palm Springs, and they're all republic. Um, they're all Republican, and uh, over the last even two years, they've been. You know, when we go down often to visit, they 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 love to pick our brain as Canadians, and we have to very politely say, you know, we're just thrilled to have you as neighbors, and that we can come visit you, um, and because because what happens is they are they get so caught up and it really becomes a swirl. So one conversation or a couple of conversations I've had, first of all, I had a conversation with uh, um, a close uh, family friend who's um, a Republican in the States. And he could not believe that during our last federal election here in Canada, that um, the four adults living in my house, uh, there were three parties that were voted for. And he just couldn't couldn't quite understand how that worked. Um, so when Susie said, if you're born blue, you die blue, um, it's like church and state down in, um, or that's what I've seen. Uh, and that defines your social circles also, because my parents have been integrated over the last 20 some years into this very, um, this, this definite um, Republican um social circle of people with means, right? So um, having said that, um, I also noticed through conversations that um, the perspective of some of their friends who I I adore them, I just have to stay away from politics, um, (laughs) that it's very much about what is the party going to do for me? And and how is that going to affect my home, um, my world, my family, my business? And I, I see a, a, um, not the same balance as Canadians have with community, mm-hmm. Canadians as a whole. So that's something that just always kind of shines through in these conversations. And I respectfully always have to be careful. Uh,
1: so we don't know that, but uh, Charlotte says that her brother, Adam, is. Yeah. So hopefully yeah. he's done his trade.
7: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. I had an eventful morning, a little bit busy. And uh, I just had to take my two children to go get, tested they've been uh, exposed to some friends Uh, I just had my first experience Uh, I was here in Florida it was door-to-door less than an hour I got my test results back in an hour it was a rapid testing it was very efficient very pleasant and I'm uh, thankful and grateful that the people are so nice and uh, uh, you know accommodated us so quickly so that's just a quick side. that's just part of the festivities going on on this uh, you know election day actually we have a morning conference call with all my traders and salesmen and And uh, there's about eight of us who speak. Only seven of us had the gumption to not speak about the election today. One couldn't stand it, had to mention it when it's quite obvious that everybody's well aware of it. Uh, you know, I my 10 cents on this is I'll be thankful and happy when it's over. Hopefully, that's uh, tomorrow, more than likely be you know, say Thursday or Friday before we get a definitive answer. I'm hoping, uh, Nobody contests it and just lets this one uh, come and go. I think ultimately, at the end of the day, both of the uh, the candidates are very pro-growth. They're going to give some added stimulus to the American economy. You probably won't notice much of a transition. You probably won't notice much in your daily life. But it, as you can allude to all the phone, you know, people talking about it, everybody seems to think that their life is going to change monumentally tomorrow or January, whenever you want to call it. And and I just don't think that's true. And I think a lot of that to blame is on social media. A lot of that is to blame on, you know, people are picking a tribe to, to join. It's almost like picking a team. You know, you're either a a Dallas Cowboy or a Pittsburgh Steeler. And if you're not on the other one, you just can't stand to be around the people. And I, hopefully that'll just kind of subside to blame a lot of that on social media. But it, I honestly don't think that the, you know, the anxiety and the stress that this election is causing is valid and it's real. I don't think much is going to change in your life. i you know, yes, people call people names. And I don't know why they're doing it, but hopefully it'll just, uh, it'll fade and go away. and We can focus on the more pressing realities, which are, you know, do I have a job? Am I going to keep a job? Uh, am I going to get sick? Somebody in my family going to get sick and how do I treat them and how do I pay for it? So, like I said, I'm just hopeful that this thing comes and goes without any fanfare or fireworks and we can move on.
1: So Adam, which way are you voting? Or do you vote? I'm
7: not going to, you know, I don't need to do that. I'm pretty, it's pretty obvious what I am as a, as a, as an immigrant to a country, as somebody who's educated, um, somebody who thinks and is, is empathetic to people and, and, has a conscience, it's pretty obvious what I might be. Uh, and unfortunately, in the business that I'm in, uh, I'm not, I'm a, I'm a lone wolf. The vast majority of, uh, I'd say, working white males typically are in a, a different camp and you see, you just gotta mind your P's and Q's. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm fairly liberal in my thinking. I believe in women's rights and people's, you know, uh, I think people should not be locked up if they do drugs. I think people probably need a leg up. I, I, I'm kind of concerned about the welfare of the uh, the darker black population in this country. I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, and it's it's absolutely devastating what you know their circumstances are. And I I, I think it's impossible in, in 2020 that people can't survive without some sort of assistance. So. But, you know, the, the, the people that are on one side of campus camp is, don't touch my money, don't tell me what to do, and don't take away my guns. And that's a pretty loud statement. A lot of them believe it wholeheartedly.
1: So what is it so, about America that you love, Adam, that you won't come back to Canada?
7: Uh, I got family here. Um, I, I, you know, I'm kind of ambivalent. I don't think it would really matter. I just think, and I don't think it really matters that I'm here. I, I don't think I, it's that pressing that you need to make a decision to move to another country at any certain point. Um, it would have to get a lot worse, but I don't think it's that bad. Believe it. I, I, I'm kind of a glass half full kind of guy. I don't think it's that bad. And I just, now that being said, I happen to be sitting from a different vantage point. I am a white educated uh Call it upper middle class male, and so I, I, you know, I've got a different vantage point, so I, I'm not willing to say that there's something to motivate me to leave this country just yet.
1: And, uh, and how old are your kids?
7: I got 22, 16, and 14.
1: Oh, wow! Well, the 14 year old is, is still, I guess, considered young, but um, well, what's, what,
7: what's funny in that is my 14 year old will scream out one window at the Trump people and then my son at the other window will be screaming, go Trump. So we, we've got a divided camp in, in and of, even in our own household, which okay. is pretty funny.
1: Well, yeah, so then how does that all get moderated through mom and dad or no? everybody speaks their piece. I mean, because Kristen was saying that, like how her American friend didn't understand that there could be so many different parties.
7: You know? Yeah, I mean, I work with people on both sides. My kids are on both sides. And you just try to have a rational argument, you will come across, one of the souls on the other side who's not willing to listen to a a rational argument or a discussion. And so I've just grown over the last two to five years. If I find one of those people and they're not willing to have a healthy discussion, I just move on. And if they happen to be family, so be it. Wow.
1: And through this whole pandemic too, I mean, the way I guess things have been handled um, like here in Winnipeg, our cases are rising and we are in code red right now in a semi lockdown, but you know, through your whole experience, Adam, living in Sarasota, um, would you, would you have hoped that the government did something differently or you're fine with it? Like, I mean, obviously today you got the rapid testing. It sounds amazing. I mean, we don't get our results for four or five days
7: yeah i was i was very surprised I'll, I'll put it to you this way the farther south you go the more the more open people's uh not open their minds are basically you know if you drive south on a highway by the time you get down here to the sieve of florida just this bastion of hope the grand petri dish of society people are running around here with not a mask not a care nothing and that's one situation I have found and believe that you know there is some common thread that most of us should do for the greater good. If it if it means wearing a mask, do it. If it means social distancing, do it. If it means you know not going to a big pack stadium, do it. And and the other thing I find it depending on how your business or your company or your employment is, it's very uh, diligent in the in the business that I work with. We have a hundred people and we've. Sent everybody home. There's only ten of us in an office, but we're dealing with very stringent standards and requirements and protocols. And then when you go down, if you're you know a you know call it an independent businessman or somebody like down here, and you just don't have the resources to do it, you're not going to care. Also, it's an age thing. Seems you know the older you are, the more protective you need to be about yourself. My mother Susan just traveled from uh, you know, call it Penora, Winnipeg, down here to Florida. And, you know, I just told her, I said, listen, the people down here are not going to do it for your good. You're going to have to do it for your own and you're not going to be able to sway them. So if you walk into a place and you're not comfortable, you can't ask them to, uh, you know, to do something for your good. Your only alternative is just pick up and leave. So if you're not feeling comfortable at a restaurant because nobody's wearing a mask, well, then just don't go in.
1: Wow. So that's pretty interesting, too, yeah, with your mother living down there, too, as well. What do you think of, um, I guess, after tonight and thinking now, I guess, the future for your kids? Because I think we all think about that as, like, we have um, older children like yourselves, and, you know, they're independent adults. But, you know, what kind of world are they going to be hopefully leading?
7: Well, there's two thoughts on that. One of them is it doesn't matter who gets into tonight tomorrow whenever it is but we're going to spend a couple more trillion dollars to try to keep this economy going that's here in the united states and we've already spent a lot and somebody's going to have to pay the piper for that and then the first place is going to start probably be my generation will have a a higher age requirement for social security and then it will go down to the kids and they're going to have to pay for it in their own certain way as well the other thing is i heard a good little blurb don't know the truth of it or not or the accuracy of it but the, the, the gist of it was that by 2027, 50% of the workforce population will be millennials. And they have already shown disdain for working in offices. They've a uh, they they are quite happy to work from home in this type of situation. It's going to be very difficult for the next two to ten years to, you know, to tell kids, younger people, hey, to come work in an office or do something like it always has been like, just because we've always worked the way we have. I don't think we're going to work that way again if somebody has a choice to get a job in one place versus another. So I, I think we're the, the the train has left the station and, and I think people's ability to work, how they work, where they work is going to change. I think ultimately our kids are going to have to pay something in one way, shape or fashion, either by either not getting and uh, some social security benefits or just higher taxes, but it's inevitable. I don't care if it's Donald Trump or, or Joe Biden in the office, taxes are going to go up because somebody has to pay it. It doesn't matter. So.
1: so either way, it's interesting in your line of work, Adam, whether it's Trump or Biden is, do you have a preference on, on you know, maybe the success business wise and what you're doing? How does that affect you?
7: it will people's perception i think that something will change is very high and i I, honestly i don't think it really does one way or the other the only thing that i I will say that you know might be more beneficial to my business in particular which is a financial services business is less regulation and that does typically come from a republican type of uh of leadership And, and and that you know, if that doesn't work out, so be it. I'll find out another way to do it. But you know, that's typically been the Republican stances, less government, less regulation, less involvement in your life. You know, I don't know how we've gravitated toward a, somebody who tweets every single day and calling that less government, but I wouldn't mind a little less government. I wouldn't mind a little bit less, uh, a lot of things, but I think that the 21st century version of both the Republican and Democrat has changed a lot.
1: Yeah, most definitely. So when you can get on a plane, where are you going to come? Back
7: to Winnipeg? <laughs> um, I tr- well, I travel, <laughs> believe it or not, I've been traveling the whole time about every other weekend direct from Memphis to, to uh, Sarasota. I do a direct flight on the old uh, AirTran Legion and had no problems with it and don't have any security or safety issues with it. Now, where will I travel as soon as I can? Uh eh. That, that, you know, we'll see. <laughs> uh, I know but if my mother has anything to do it, the first place I would have to go to in a foreign country will be to Canada, so.
1: Well, well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, is there anybody that wants to uh, ask?
7: Everybody, everybody oh, go ahead.
1: Ask Adam anything. Can we lose Susie? I don't see Susie. Right here. Oh, there you are. You want to ask Adam anything?
0: No, I just want to tell Adam to stay safe and healthy. That's all.
1: Yeah. And your kids too. I do like that rapid uh, testing. That's Mm -hmm. awesome.
5: I had a question for Adam. Um, I noticed that in my travels internationally, that anytime there was the conversation regarding the United States, um, and I'll call it core American kind of values, Um, you know, is America the greatest country, things like that. When that kind of gets questioned by international audiences, Americans get really sensitive. And and I'm almost calling like an American fragility that don't you dare criticize us kind of attitude. What what do you see in an experience and is it really a
7: fragility or is it some other aspect that's been manifested? You know, is there some latent John Wayne-esque sensibility in every American? Sure. I mean, we conquered the Wild West and, you know, land, and that's still in the the culture here. And so they want to, yes, I still think that that's part of the American appeal is that they want to believe that they have that can-do spirit, they can do anything and we're the greatest place and that every other place is a leg down it's fairly obvious once people get out and start to travel, they realize that's not necessarily true, but for the average person who is pretty myopic, yeah, they're going to believe that this is the greatest place. We have the greatest, you know, everything here. And, and it's, you know, it's clearly not always the case, but it's certainly, they believe that. pardon the dogs. <laughs> Interesting. Robin, anything to,
3: no, no. hey, Adam, how's it going? Um, Yeah, I just, uh, you know, I I truly hope you're right about whoever gets in, like, you know, like things will be okay. I truly hope that. I don't have a great faith in that, having um, some of my friends' experiences over the last... Little while, but I certainly hope so
6: yeah. Kirsten you know i I have a question for Adam um, with the election uh tonight tomorrow uh, the next day, I'm just curious how um, you and your kids um, if they'll you know if if you'll be kind of asking everyone to stay put and see where it goes or if you're really feeling like it's it's going to be okay
7: I, I i think unless you're in like a chicago a philadelphia new york it, it's quite overblown there's there's i don't see anything happening now and i wouldn't be concerned about anything now i'm also in sarasota florida which is a far cry from the you know this is a little enclave of the of the world down here but you know would i if i were in memphis right now would i let my kids you know go downtown i wouldn't let them do that on any normal day whether it was election or not but i wouldn't take any more caution just because it was you know election day than i would on any other day now that being said if you're down there and there's things going on you're just a fool to go engage in I, you know but that's just me been- no, I, I do i do have lots of friends in, in philadelphia new york and chicago and they're concerned but they're not going to go they live in the suburbs they're not going to go in to the downtown areas anyway they haven't done it in four to five months as it is. So it would be unusual for them to have, you know, any greater sense of, you know, fear now, as opposed to what they've had over the last six months, they've, you know, already changed their behavior.
1: Has there been any violence at all, Adam, in Sarasota or any kind of like unrest? So no,
7: only, no, aside from the, uh, You know, the the dumb, drunken redneck waving a flag in front of somebody, but that's pretty standard, be it, you know, this case, this cause or anything else. But no, I haven't seen it. And and believe it or not, you know, Memphis, Tennessee, you know, where we had the civil rights uh, with Martin Luther King, you know, the the assumption would be that there would have been some sort of... um, anxiety or or heightened stress level there and then throughout the entire six seven months we haven't had anything through the black lives matter haven't had anything there either and the city itself is not prepared for anything uh tonight despite the fact that you know there's a 40 to 50 percent of the population is black and, and poor and would probably be the ones you would point a finger at and suggest we'll do something but it's surprisingly they haven't had anything. Now I might be eating crow tomorrow because they might do something, but so far it's been very calm and cool and collected. And I don't know if you can attribute that to a, a you know, a lackadaisical of of attitude or you know, a lot of it is just that you know, our city kind of understands that, you know, their, their population is not going to do anything really to exacerbate the problem. Well, it's
1: interesting. I want to know too. I mean, some some of our children or whatever have done, the, Winnipeg has had some protests and you know the movement for Black Lives Matter, people gathered um, have your kids been involved in any kind of marches or, and peaceful
7: no no. no unfortunately my, my kids, well there's a different stage right now, their priorities are my son just got his driver's license and my daughter's doing her cheer stuff so they, they, they were just, we kept them busy and focused on other things, now that being said, they might be you know, they're, they're on their social media and maybe, you know, espousing their opinions, but certainly not doing it in person.
1: And they, and how did school go for them with this whole COVID?
7: Uh, it was canceled and then they started at about 30 days late and they've been in full in school since uh, the end of uh, August, which is so fairly normal. Um, and they actually appreciated going back to school, seeing kids, girls, boys, et cetera. And, uh, and they've actually gone to some of the, the normal football game type things, not getting dances and parties like that per se. But like I said, Florida is, is a land in and of itself, and they have gravitated back to normalcy much faster than any other place in the country. And
1: how are your feelings on that?
7: <laughs> it's, it's like Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. When you're here, you better be it. And if you're not, you you just you, you go to the flow wherever you are. If The norm where people are concerned to do it, You just do it. And if the norm is they don't care. I mean, when you walk into a restaurant in Florida and you're the only guy wearing a mask and everybody turns their head and looks at you and making you feel uncomfortable for wearing a mask, it's pretty odd, believe it or not. Um, But we still do it. I mean, my family is fairly standard. The kids wear them just masks to school and you wear them in a, you know, most places that ask you to do it, the grocery store. But a lot of the, a lot of the, you know, restaurants, they just don't care, don't want it. They'll take any business any way they can, which is pretty spooky.
1: Wow. I don't know if your sister's still on, uh, Charlotte. I don't see you. Yeah, I'm here. I'm oh, here. Do you want to wrap things up? And talk to your brother? <laughs> oh, <thank>. nice <laughs> seeing you in
4: person, Adam. <laughs> um, it's thank been you a while. So I know. Thank you so much for coming on and, uh, chatting so open about, uh, your life and what's going on in both Memphis and in Sarasota, we really, really appreciate not only the uh, American perspective, but a male perspective, as you can see, you're pretty much the only guy on this, uh, on this uh, show. Um, and uh, yeah, stay safe. And uh, when you see me, our mother, give her a big hug from us or social distance hug, whatever you choose.
7: Well, <laughs> yeah, well, she was just here, luckily uh, on the weekends, Lulu, my youngest one, she's very busy, and she, we couldn't bolt her down for a couple of days, and and I could kind of sense that there was some a little bit higher risk, so I shuttled my elderly mother off down to warmer climes away from us because that's that's unfortunately where I see the the problem being. The kids have got it, and they don't have any symptoms. They're going to bring it home. They're going to give it to you, and I may or may not get it. But you know, the steadier you go to climb, and your age or your your, your Uh, pre-existing conditions, the higher risk you are. So, unfortunately, if you keep the kids away, you're probably going to be safer.
1: Well, sometimes that's (laughs) Hey, well, thank you so much, Adam. And, uh, hey, any uh, any prospects what we should be trading on?
7: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I only buy and sell bonds, and those are going down the tubes because (laughs) – I'm going to I'm going to charge the U.S. government more money to borrow money because when you, you know, we already borrowed two trillion and now they want to borrow another two trillion. So at some point, you got to pay the piper. And and I think that'll ultimately what happens. I, I've got another opinion on that, but the grand experiment of uh, central banking, I think, will come to roost a little bit in the next couple of years. And that's just a different economic problem that we're probably going to have. It'll call it the, the yield hangover of COVID in the economic sense in a few years when everybody has to say, wait, how much did we spend? And that'll be a whole different ball of wax. So the only good news is if you're up there in Canada and you've got a very uh, – you've got a different kind of mindset up there, you, you'll probably be better off.
1: Okay. Well, take that bit of advice, ladies. And uh, anyways, again, yeah, thanks so much. Stay safe and healthy. Adam. All right,
7: good luck you guys. In
1: person. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. See
7: Yeah.
1: Wow. so interesting. Well, you know what? And thank you um Robin and Charlotte and Kirsten for bringing and you know those US perspectives. I'm I'm just happy that I'm living here <laughs> right now. <laughs> it's uh it's too much, even though, I mean, yeah, and your brother's great, because he just says, ah, yeah, well, yeah. But, you know, he's living in it, too, he said, right? So, uh, pretty, pretty interesting times. All right, well, I think we should go and enjoy this beautiful weather. Um, it's supposed to go up to 16, 16 degrees today, um, Cynthia, here in Winterpeg. So, all the snow has officially, hopefully, be gone, and we're enjoying these, uh, two days of incredible weather. And you know what, it's two days of no snow and cold, which we know that's going to happen. But, um, uh, anyways, thank you so, so much. Um, next week, ooh, it's heading into remembrance day. What is that? I don't know what that, you know, all entails, you know, um, there's so many things and, you know, hopefully by then, uh, the election will have been decided who knows. And in, in your brother's case, who cares? But, uh, Yeah, just Remembrance Day and um, everything that it stands for and moving forward. Okay. Well, have a great week, all right? And we'll see you next Tuesday.
6: Thanks, Tracy.
1: Thanks, Tracy. Take care.
6: Thanks, everyone. Take care. Happy birthday.
1: Happy birthday, Cynthia.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of I Like Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company.
8: Do, Did, Will, The Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready?